to the MEC English Service Podcast. For more resources or information about our church, Mideast Evangelical Church, visit mec.church. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right, guys. Um, So today we are going to be continuing in our series. Um, Let's see how tangled I am in this mess. Oh, not that bad. Delightful. Um, So we're going to be continuing in our series through God is my plan. Um, Insert metaphor here. Um, And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring um, all of these different metaphors that exist for God in Scripture and how it's through these metaphors that God makes himself accessible to us, right? Like it's through things like last week we talked about God as my shepherd and he he uses this metaphor so that we can understand exactly how God is is with us. How do we relate with this being, right? Because if we define God, he is this timeless, immaterial, spaceless, energyless uh, being, right? And so by having images like he is our shepherd, um, it helps us to know, okay, we can connect with this God. And so this week, our our metaphor that we're going to be kind of elaborating on is God is our refuge. Um, God is our refuge. Um, And and it, it appears like three times in this text that we just read. Sorry, I'm going to be like bopping my head for this whole service because the background music, it's so good. It's my jam. Um, Okay, so, um, uh, hey, look, this is a picture of a refuge. Um, If you Google image what refuges are, um, you get a lot of things like this. What are some features that you note about this? Okay, dull. Tall. Protective? Protected, isolated. Um, we got to make sure there's some alligators in that. They're uh, sharks or alligators. So sharks with lasers on their heads would be ideal uh, for a good refuge. Um, this one, um, no water, but right. We got another like this one shows up in most of the images. This is like the iconic refuge. Um, this one right here is actually an ancient Israelite refu- refuge. Does anyone know what it's called? Starts with an M and rhymes with Asada. Masada, you got it. Guys, you are so historically <laughs> informed. Um, and so here's what I want you to do. With the people who are near you or around you, I want you to um, think about this. What's the purpose of a refuge or a fortress? What, why do these things exist? What is, what is the reason for the existence of refuges or fortresses? Talk to your neighbor. Ready, go. Steve-O, what's the point of a, of a fortress? What's its purpose? Protect them from who? From others? Okay. Uh, Fusi. 
Sorry, I can't hear. I'm so deaf. Okay. Yeah. To protect important stuff like a king or like family or whatnot. Um, Jesse, what you got? Okay, it's a form of safety or protection. Yes, um, I think you're on to some stuff with all of this. Um, in particular, this this fortress of Masada, I feel like gives us a glimpse into the, the thought process of what's the purpose of having a refuge. Um, this is from my Jewish, I think, no, my Jewish learning or Jewish online library or something like that. Um, according to Josephus, who was this famous um, Jewish Roman historian, um, he said, Herod the Great built the fortress of Masada between 37 and 31 BCE. So about 30 years before Jesus was born. Herod um, had, been, had been made king of Judea by his Roman, Roman overlords and furnished this fortress as a refuge for himself. It included a case, um, casemate wall around the plateau, storehouses, large cisterns, ingeniously filled with rainwater, barracks, palaces, and an armory. So in this fortress, it's not just like, a, oh, cool, let's um, hunker down here. Like when I think of fortresses, where my brain first goes is to Lord of the Rings because I'm a nerd. Um, and so I automatically think of Helm's Deep, um, this place that's built into a mountain. Um, but it's not very luxurious. Masada actually had um, a private palace with like multiple rooms um, just, for, um, just for King Herod to chill. So not only was it a fortress where he could hide out, um, but it was also like a palace where he could enjoy life, where he could have all of the pleasantries. It had rainwater so you can access, it had storehouses, so that if you got locked there for a long time, you could eat for a while. Um, in the year 70 AD, um, the, the Romans attacked Jerusalem and Masada is just outside of Jerusalem and this is where they like had their final holdout. This is where everybody like stuck together and it, what's crazy is the Romans couldn't they couldn't get in for years. They couldn't get into this fortress. Like the, the military superpower of the world could not get into this fortress. Now, what they did is they ended up building a wall around and waited till they ran out of food and then it was kind of yucky and ugly and they all ended up um, dying. Um, <laughs> but um, but nevertheless, like the, the purpose of this refuge is to protect. It's to have a place where you can be. It's a place to be safe. It's a place to um, not have to worry about if you'll be provided for, not have to worry about Romans dropping um, catapult ball things on your, what do you call those? Rocks, that's what we call them. English, I know how to English. <laughs> of ca um, cap uh, catapults dropping rocks on your head. And so, I was thinking, um, well, we're not currently under siege, um, and we, I don't have people trying to shoot me um, on the regular, like um, the author of Psalm 46. Um, but then I realized that this psalm is still pertinent. Um, I don't know about you, but this year, one of the things that has brought me great relief and joy has been um, going through memes um, of the year 2020. Um, and so, like me, on New Year's Eve, 2020, be better than 2019, please. And then... Uh, 2020. Um, or this is from um, Monty Python. I don't know if you know. It's me being prepared for 2020. And then the one, the one opening got shot right in the face, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill it in 2020. I'm going to do awesome this year. This is the year that I'm going to pull everything together. I'm going to really connect with some other people. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to like all of these things, right? And then, um, and then you get an arrow to the eyeball. Um, or I don't know if <laughs> my plans versus 2020, right? You're like, yes, the royal Danish, and it's got your junk in there. Um, 
But I, I think that 2020 has been one of those years um, that reminds us we need a fortress sometimes. Like even even if we are not being attacked, um, even if we are not um, literally being assaulted by an army, I, I think that the need for a fortress is still evident, right? I'm, I was talking to one of my coworkers and she was talking about emergency room check-ins of teenagers um, for mental health crises um, and how uh, much that has risen. Now, like, depending on the statistics you read, also like the general well-being of teens has kind of gotten a little bit better um, according to a Huntington article. But um, as far as the amount of people like checking themselves into emergency rooms for like either being brought in because of suicide or self-harm or like a danger to self or others has radically increased since quarantine, right? And so there is, there are dangers. They're just, they just don't look like Roman soldiers anymore, right? There are dangers that just doesn't look like people wanting to stab you with a spear. Um, I guess there's also this new virus that's been floating around. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but that also apparently is a danger of some sort. Um, and so we find ourselves in 2020 in need of a fortress, right? We in need of a place where we can like retire and feel safe and feel taken care of and not feel like we're in danger and know that things are going to be okay, right? For a good amount of time. Um, and so the two words that are used um, for fortress in Psalm 46, the first one is machse. Repeat after me, machse. Um, it means, it like literally means like a shelter, but it, it can be, my favorite was that one of the translations talks about it's a shelter from rain or storms. And I'm like, how appropriate? Um, because I feel like uh, if you, um, you know how when it's raining outside, you're like, oh no, it's raining. I can't do things. But I don't know about you, when I get like a good raincoat on and I know I have a really good umbrella, I feel invincible, guys. Like I feel like I bring it rain, right? It almost makes it like more fun knowing that like I can wear this stuff and go out into the rain and everything's going to be okay, right? Um, and this is kind of like the idea of refuge doesn't mean that God stops the rain, right? It doesn't mean that the storm stops, but it means that, hey, I with God as my refuge, as my shelter, um, I can go out into the rain and not even worry, right? My hair won't even get frizzy um, because I am, um, I'm covered, right? Um, the other word that is used is misgab. Repeat after me, misgab. Um, it, this means a retreat or a secure height. And I've watched this YouTube video. Um, what's this guy's name? Something, Samanovich. What? I think, is it Marianovich? There it is, Boban Marianovich. Um, and there's this, so the whistle blows in this play. I was going to try to show it, but then I didn't know if the tech would work. Um, so the, the whistle blows, um, and he's got the ball up. Um, and the guy who's standing in front of him with the question marks in front of his face, um, that guy is seven feet tall. Um, and so that shows you how tall Marjanovich is, right? And he holds the ball up, and after the whistle's blown, like, the, the other guy, like, swipes at the ball, but he can't even, like, reach it. Like, he can't even knock it out of his hands. He looks like a playground bully, like, just holding the ball up way high in the air. But this is kind of the essence of misgab. It, it is a high, inaccessible place, right? You are held out of reach so that the other things cannot get you. Kind of like that one of those first fortresses that I showed you. It's, like, high and out of reach, that's part of, um, part of having a shelter or a fortress is like not being able to be got at, right? Not being able to be accessed. 
Um, and so, how, pray tell, is God either of these things? Right? Because God is, like, he is our fortress and he is our refuge. But in what sense does God refuge or fortress for us? How, does he, how is he a stronghold? How is he a high place that holds us away from danger? Um, because uh, it turns out that being a Christian doesn't always make your life safer. Turns out that being Christian doesn't always mean that things are going to go your way. Just ask the early Christian martyrs. Um, just ask the early Christian community who died for their faith. Just ask people who believe in Jesus with all their hearts and do get coronavirus. Just, um, you know what I mean? Like there are, just because you are a Christian does not mean you don't go through difficult things. So how, how can we make this claim that God is our fortress, that God is our stronghold, that God is our deliverer? He is the one who holds us out of danger. Um, and so there, I think that there's a few ways that God does this. Exactly five ways is what I'm going to talk to you about today. They don't, I've, you know how like pastors like make the thing start with the same letter? I just never, I, f I could, but it would just be such a stretch. So I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'll give you my PowerPoint later if you want to memorize it. Um, so um, one of the things that God does that I think is one of the main things that hurts us as humans is our own dumb choices. Um, sometimes we make really foolish choices and they hurt. And I think a, a big part of um, God being our shelter, God being our refuge and our fortress, this is why throughout the Psalms, we also have this message of, of God's law being a light to our path so that we do not trip, right? That, that God's law is a way that we do not fall um, because God shelters us from our own foolishness, right? God gives us a way to live that he's like, hey, if you do this stuff, you don't have to worry about, like, I've never seen this actually happen to a person, but you know how, like, in the cartoons, they step on a rake and it, like, smacks them in the face? I feel like so much of the stuff we experience in life is that, right? A lot of the, the pain and sorrow we experience in life, um, sometimes it's because we, we did step on a rake. Um, and if we would have just watched out and if we would have just, like, been nicer to that person, if we would have just, like, done the honest thing and not cheated, if we would have just... Um, made better choices, then that rake would not be there smacking us in the face. So in a way, like God is our stronghold. Um, God is our fortress who protects us from our own missteps by showing us, hey, step better. There's a rake there um, that God actually like, because he wants to watch out for us, he, he gives us laws. He gives us rules. He gives us guidance. In the book of Proverbs, he gives us wisdom. Um, and when we don't have that stuff memorized, you know that moment right before you're about to tell the lie? You know that moment right before when you're like, I really shouldn't do this. You know that feeling that you have inside of you um, where like you feel a little bit like you're going to have diarrhea? Um, I don't know if that happens to you. <laughs> Maybe it's to me. Um, but like that moment when you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do this thing. Like this is God being your refuge. It's God being your fortress and saying, you don't want to step on that rake, bro or girl. Um, you don't want to do this. And so even when we do not have the law right in front of us, or even if we do not memorize, memorize Psalm 19 or what, not Psalm, Proverbs 19, um, we do have the spirit of God in our own consciences that God has built into us so that we can be like, I shouldn't step on that rake, right? Um, oh, I'll stand here. Um, another way that God is our fortress um, or our shelter 
Um, as he provides us with perspective, one of the most depressing slash my favorite books of the Bible is this book called Ecclesiastes. And it starts out with Havel, Havel, everything is Havel. Um, which translates to meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. But a better translation is vapor, smoke, ethereal, like you cannot grab it. Everything is here for an instant and then gone. Like the first chapter talks about how like um, everybody who is currently living, eventually they are going to die. And guess what? After a few generations, no one's going to remember you. And I'm like, thanks, Bible. That was really nice. Um, but if you think about this with the right perspective, this doesn't have to be depressing. This can be very freeing, um, which I think is captured even in the psalm that, that we read. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Um, empires, nations, people, all of these things here on this earth are, are here for a second and then they're gone, right? And I think we're like, okay, yeah, but some things last forever. But even though like there are like ethnic groups and there are like empires that do last for quite a while, um, once you put things into perspective, like if we trust the, the numbers given to us by cosmologists about how old the universe is, then um, all of human history is like a tiny little speck compared to the rest of the universe, right? And so every, every like the United States of America has been around for uh, almost a few hundred years, right? Uh, no, not even. Um, but... Like, this thing is just a blip on the radar, right? Um, every civilization, like, if we er erased all of human history compared to the rest of the universe, it's just like a tiny little speck compared to God and what he knows of the entire universe. And so here's how this provides us with perspective. When we face things, if we know and we look at those things through the lens of God then the thing that seems like way too huge, the thing that seems unconquerable, the thing that seems like devastating, enormous, when we look through the lens of God, we realize, oh, it's just a little thing. It's just this like little thing that's happening right now. Like the last six or seven months, like put in a global perspective, it's like, oh, it's just this, it's like this thing, right? Now we've lived, we only live for a little bit of time, so it seems like a really long thing. Um, but Katie's grandpa just turned 104. Um, and so he lived through the Spanish flu. Um, it's been really fun watching his perspective on coronavirus is cause he was like, yeah, okay. We, we masks again. Here we go. Um, you know what I mean? Like for him, he's just like another thing, like another year of life because things are always weird. Um, and so when you have that perspective of, of longevity, when we know that God is the one, he's like seen all of the wars that everyone thought these, these wars will never end. He's seen all of the empires that everyone was like, this empire is going to last forever. And he's seen them topple and fall. He's seen the, the war machine rust and fall apart. And so with that perspective of who God is, then we say God is our fortress because we're tied into that perspective. We're in this for the long game, right? Not just for the, the, this little short-term thing. So he provides us with perspective. Um, he is an ever-present help. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen these men before. I pray that you haven't. 
Um, in the 1980s and 90s, there was this thing called the World Wrestling Federation. Eventually, I think they got sued and became the WWE. Um, <laughs> and so, but in the World Wrestling Fe Federation, there is a type of wrestler called tag team. Um, and when you are a tag team, um, uh, this is a group of guys called the Bushwhackers, and they were my favorite because all of the other, um, <laughs> all of the other wrestlers, they were like they took themselves super seriously in their pink spandex, and I'm like, you just can't take yourself seriously. And so their thing was to just be goofy all the time, and they'd like stick their tongues out while they were like putting an elbow in someone's face, um, and and they walked like. They did this when they walked for some reason. I don't know what that was like their move. We're like bushwhackers. Um, anyway, but so I didn't really follow wrestling. Ultimate Warrior was pretty cool. But, um, but the bushwhackers were always fascinating to me. Um, and when I think about this term, God is our ever-present help. This is how he is our refuge. Um, two things. One, ever-present. That there is never a place or a time when you are not with God. Um, and the word there, help, um, is the Hebrew word ezer. Um, and this, this idea of being our help is not just that like, oh, God's our little helper. He's my sidekick. But rather, I, I think that the image of, ironically, of the Bushwhackers, the, the 80s and 90s tag team wrestling phenomenon, um, I think that they, this is a much better representation of what our help is. Because guess what happens when one of the Bushwhackers is being pinned and his buddy's outside of the ring? He jumps in and throws an elbow, right? And he kicks the dude off and does something probably illegal and against the rules. Um, but, but they are so tied together. They are each other's help in such a way that whenever something is happening, the other one is not far off and the other one jumps in to intervene, right? And I think I can just say, I don't know how to say what this looks like for you in your life, but I can say there have been so many times in my own life when things were going one way, and I was like, I don't know why all of this stuff is happening. And then suddenly things will just turn around. Um, and I, I don't know what to say other than to say, if you know that God is your ever-present help, and you look out for his help, I think you start to see it. You start to see the ways that you're like, oh my gosh, I was going this way. Um, and had I not um, had this idea to move the other way, terrible things could have happened. My life was going this direction and had God not intervened and made it go this direction, um, it could have been a terrible thing, right? And when we acknowledge that God is our ever-present help, then we acknowledge that it's his hand that's moving us from place to place. Had God not used silly, terrible things, even when I was in trouble, to direct me different directions, Right? To, to have God's hand of providence be like, cool, this is where you are now, and I'm going to use this to put this other thing into your life to help you. Right now, I'm going I'm to put new things in your path to help you make wiser choices, to help you get to a place that I can use you and do this and that with you. But God is our ever-present help. Um, fourth um, is that God invites us to trust. In the text, it says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, notice it doesn't say we will not fear because God gets rid of the sea. God gets rid of the raging waters. God, raging waters, 10 to 10 in the 57, meet in San Dimas. Um, sorry, um, <laughs> that, that God... God invites us to trust even though the waters are raging, 
even though the sea is roaring, even though the mountains seem like they're going to fall apart. And I think the thing that has helped me um, to understand how that works is to consider sand. So hold on a second, I need to get a thing. Um, okay, oh, yeah, I'm gonna wear the mask for a little bit. Okay, so this is, this is sand. It's utility sand. So it's not very fancy playground sand. Um, which they like triple wash and make all fancy. Um, but, Jaden, can I use you as a, as a volunteer? Sorry, if I call on you, you're not volunteering, but you know what I mean? Can you be a volunteer for me? Cool, awesome. Here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to see how much sand you can grab with your two hands, but like grabbing like this. See how much, yeah. Like with your two hands, grab as much sand as you can like that. Um, and then to see how much, okay, and hold on to it, hold on to it as tight as you can. Don't let it fall. Okay, and then go ahead and make a, make a little pile right there in front of your feet of how much sand you were able to get that way. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. That's, that's a good amount of sand, right? Um, and here's the thing about sand is that when you grabbed the sand, um, what started to happen as soon as you lifted your hand out of the sand? Started falling. Okay, it starts falling because the, and the more tightly that you grip the sand, what happens? It doesn't fall. <laughs> okay, um, some of it doesn't, right? Um, but like, there was this like s consistent cascade coming out of your hand, right? Um, here's what I want you to do instead. I want you to hold your hands like this. Make like a good, give me a good cup. Yeah. Um, and so if we compare the amount of sand that he can hold in his hands when they are cupped like this, there's actually a, a significant amount more. Like, make a little pile next to it so that everyone can see. Everyone won't be able to see. Um, like, <laughs> um, the mountain of sand, um, and this is going to be awkward for everyone who listens to the podcast because they'll be like, what's happening? Um, but the, the mountain of sand, how much, how much bigger would you say this is than that? My judge is in the front. Triple? Yeah, like there's triple the amount of sand. Everyone give, give Jaden a hand. Thank you, you can have a seat. And you're the best sand grabber. Um, okay, <laughs> so um, I can take this off now. You know, safety. Okay, so um, what I've learned is that when you try to grab and hold on to sand, it slips through your fingers, right? It falls out the sides. Um, but rather, when you just hold your hands open, when you just cup and allow the sand to be there, you can hold so much more sand that way, yes? And I think that this is, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our plans for 2020, when it comes to that relationship that we really want to work out, when it comes to, uh, I don't know, our dreams about what our senior year is gonna look like or what life is gonna look like, um, I found that when we try to hold it like this, when we grip it as tight as we can, what ends up happening is we can't actually control it, right? That the sand just continues to slip through our fingers. Um, and to an extent, like this brings suffering into our lives. We experience the loss, we experience the lack because of trying to cling to the sand. But when we hold our hands open, when we just allow our hands to like, Yes, cup the sand um, in, in the little bowl of our palms. 
Yeah, anyone can come grab the sand, right? It's not as protected as like clenching it. However, we can hold so much more. And I think that this is why God invites us. When the sea is raging, when the, the, when the rivers are rushing, when everything seems like it's out of control, which like I feel like of, of the years that I've been alive, this has been one of those years. Um, 2001 was weird also. Um, but of all the, the years, this has been kind of a wild year. And if we just learn to hold it like this, if we just learn to hold our plans, our dreams like this, open to God, open to heaven, we find that our capacity increases dramatically, that our capacity to bear the raging rivers, the, the capacity to bear the wild, chaotic ocean, our, our capacity to deal with all of that increases dramatically when we just change the way that we hold the sand, when we change the way that we hold our dreams. And so God is our refuge because in trusting him, it actually saves us. Right In holding things open-handed, saying, God, I know you're doing what you're going to do, and so I'm going to hold everything that I have like this. And I think that um, as I age, in some ways it becomes easier, in some ways it becomes more difficult. Because I think what this means also is, like, um, little baby Trudy and Seji, I have to hold them like this. Right? It means that my career, I have to hold it like this. It means that, like, our church community, like, we hold it like this. We say, God, we trust you with it, right? We hold it open to you. But I say it gets easier because I've had so much of my life where I've tried to hold things like this and I've realized this is pointless, guys. It, can, it just slips through your fingers. And the earlier you can learn it to, yes, like care and hold it, but hold it open and trust that God is going to do what God's going to do and that he's good in the process. Now, um, the last thing that I think that the last way that I think God is our refuge um, is kind of a little bit like I think I always try to like end it here. Um, but God is our refuge from ourselves, um, not just by teaching us what we shouldn't do and saving us from the consequences um, uh, that could happen, but he also through Jesus, through what he did on the cross, right? He showed, hey, even when you have messed up, even when you did step on the rake, even when you've held the sand wrongly, even when your perspective was not eternal, even when you forgot that I'm in your corner waiting to throw an elbow for you, even through all of that, I'm here to be your refuge and your shelter. I'm here to remind you that, that I love you and I would take the cross for you. That when, when sin does consume your life, that I'm willing to absorb that for you. So when darkness seems to be overpowering you, I'm the one who will save you from it. And so when we sing that God is our refuge, when we say that God is our, our shelter, um, I think the psalmist, he knew, right? Um, especially, I can't remember if this was David's psalm. You, you read it. Was it David or is it someone else? Got it. Okay, so it's probably the sons of Korah or something. Um, but when we think about the people who wrote the Psalms, particularly David, even if it wasn't him, like he was not always sheltered, right? He had people trying to hunt him down and kill him a lot. He had lots of stuff taken from him. But we learn that if we shift our perspective, that if we view and know the truth about who God is, then he can be our refuge and our shelter and our fortress. 
right? That God can be the one that helps us to make sense of life, that helps us to um, like know that we are not alone in our suffering, that God is the one who is there with us, helping us to hold things in such a way that we actually get way more into our hands. And so what I want to do is just kind of invite you guys right now to, um, to have a moment of just like silent prayer. Um, and I kind of want you to check. I feel like um, you cannot have God as your refuge if you do not trust that God can be your refuge. And so right now I just want to kind of invite us to be reflective and think, to what extent have I trusted God as my refuge and my strength, as my fortress, as my high place? Um, so let's, let's pray together, um, and then I'll give you a little bit of silent time to reflect on this. So Lord Jesus, um, we invite you right now to search our hearts, Holy Spirit, to search our minds, Father, to um, work in us, to reveal, us, reveal to us in the ways that we have forgotten that you are a refuge. God, reveal to us the other places that we go to for shelter and refuge instead of you. Take a moment just to talk to God about whether or not he is your refuge or are there other things that are your shelter. So God, God, we repent of the, the false refuges that we take that are unable to weather the storms, that are unable to weather the raging rivers and the chaotic seas of 2020. And God, we repent of putting our faith where it should not be. And God, we pray that from here on out, you would help us to trust, to trust in your, your wisdom and your guidance, to trust in your perspective, to trust that you are with us and to trust that you know what you're doing with the stuff in our hands. So God, I pray that you would help us to turn to you, to hide in you, to suit up in that raincoat of you um, and go out into the world knowing that you are a refuge and our shelter. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.